0: It's time for the annual Over and Under podcast. We have got some uh, interesting ones, some very serious win totals. Of course, Giannis scoring is uh, always a popular one to get to. And then we've got some uh, interesting ones around minutes for potential fringe rotation players. Uh, Will certain players get traded? Uh, Basically, we're going to have a bit of fun here on the Over and Under podcast. Get involved in the YouTube comments. Let's get started.
1: Max him down, Giannis... Spinning.
0: to Locked on Bucks. My name is Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Of course, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen or first watch every day right throughout the 2022-23 NBA season. And today we're doing over and unders. We've done this. Uh, I know you started doing this with Eric, Frank, but uh, I- I'd say this might be, I'm just going to take a guess. This might be year five. Year five of the over and unders thereabouts, maybe six. Over and under. Is this over and under 5.5? Uh over and under <laughs> <I> think
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Did I ever That's do good. it with Steve von Horn during the Bruhoot podcast days? I don't know. Steve, if you're listening, you you correct me if uh if we ever did it. But uh yeah, you know, it's a fun way to think about. It. To me, the the fun part is not so much, you know, doing the actual over-unders, it's thinking of the categories to use for the over-unders. And, you know, there's some that are probably pretty typical, Um, like Giannis points per game. I feel like we do every year Uh, in part because I'm just so obsessed with his, his scoring numbers, but, um, but, you know, I think some of the more fringe ones are are more interesting. Although I got to say, didn't you have, you've had, I feel like you've had some of the more like, you know, some of the ones that we never were going to be able to track. So (laughs) I, I, I found those kind of annoying. Like, didn't we have one, did you have did you have one on like uh, like Robin Lopez, cups of tea, cups of tea, and then you had one yeah. on Giannis mean mugs like a year or two ago, and then you had one on Jason Terry jet celebrations or something like that. So I don't know. I don't. I think we I think we've excised the kind of untrackable ones now. So if people want to hold us accountable, uh, hopefully these are all going to be easy enough to 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 keep track of. So we've reined Kane in a little bit.
0: I get excited this time every year and I try and think of the silliest thing I can do. And then, honestly, normally by game five, I, I realize that I made a huge mistake and I just pretend that I never said that. And uh, yeah, typically, I don't get called out on it, so I feel pretty good. But let's start with the win total. So uh, I just, and I've you out the river here a little bit. So I sent, we obviously discussed this a little bit. I put a number there, but the numbers changed because I went to net, our friends of the podcast here, to get the official line of what it is right now so the win total at BetOnline, online uh the over under is 53 now the interesting thing about this is that it actually opened at 51 and a half now we understand how this all works this is based on the money that's getting put on and all those types of things but the win total is now at 53 and i given what we know about the health of this team i find this a very interesting number so that's let's say uh, 52 and a half are they getting to 53 wins this season so my my official prediction when I did the Buck
1: season outlook with Nate Duncan on his pod was was 52 wins. Oh. Nate Nate also picked 52 wins, so I you know felt like okay Nate Nate, Nate is certainly has a reputation as more of a Buck skeptic than me, <laughs> so I thought okay I'm not being a, a homer at least. Um, so I'll I'll stick with that number. I think certainly you know nothing we saw in the preseason and the injuries to Conaton and and middleton continuing to be out for you know call it these first three weeks or, or again i guess that we heard that a few days ago so like does that mean it, it's not going to be a full three weeks of the season I, you know, I don't know we'll see but um i none of those things make me more optimistic about the bucks so i again i um i admit i am definitely uh again i'll, I'll call myself more of a bucks realist than a skeptic <laughs> uh you guys know who i'm rooting for um but i don't know i yeah you know i still probably har- uh, harbor some of the scars of being a Bucs fan who grew up in the nineties and in the yachts and well let's be honest like everything up until five years ago, <laughs> five years ago, four four or five years ago was pretty bleak. Um, you know, from the early nineties on. So uh so yeah I I don't I'm I'm wary of, of being overly optimistic and only part of and, and again a lot of it though isn't even skepticism that the Bucs can win that many games. It's more just are they just gonna prioritize it right? And I think probably everybody who listens to us regularly knows that we just don't think the Bucs are going to be ultra motivated to to win a bunch of games. And I thought it was interesting. I was listening to the Bill Simmons pod, you know, with uh, Rusillo and house and house was saying he just thinks the Bucs are going to win 60 games. And I was just like, was he drunk? I think he, he was a little bit drunk. Um, yes. yeah, it's, you know, it's just sort of, one of those things. I, I think, um, I think Tim Bontem said something last year, like going into last season about how he thought the Bucs really wanted to, you know, show the show the the world that you know they they were better than the nets and try to win a bunch of games or whatever and we were both kind of like eh, eh, i don't think that's really the way the bucks are, are going to approach the season especially coming off last year a super short off season so um I bit bottom line though i think you know we think the talent is there i mean if this team felt like they had something to prove in the regular season they could certainly win i think mid high 50s if everything broke right health wise could they be win 60 games like I think they're talented enough to do that, but it just doesn't seem like that's going to be, you know, the number one priority for them. They're going to kind of choose their battles a little bit, and again, that's going to come with some risk. But, um, but I'll will go under on that, and I don't really have too much heartache about it. Uh, but I I think it's a you know fifty three. I think is a pretty fair line. Um, and I think especially you know especially just with the improved depth in the East, um, you know, if I had to pick today, I'd I'd probably pick the Bucks. Pick the finish third or fourth just between. You know the injuries the fact that they're going to kind of be measured with health and i just also think that the, the locker room just doesn't think that i just don't think that they sit around feeling like they need home court advantage throughout the playoffs in order to win a championship which they've proven they don't need that but again as again longtime listeners know they probably also know that uh, i get a little nervous uh with that type of um with that type of mindset <laughs> so uh anyway, so we'll see. I could be proven wrong. What about you?
0: Uh, I'll take the over. Uh, but again, I tell you what, uh, I will take it. But in the next two to three weeks, I could feel significantly worse about this because as we've discussed, a little bit of a light schedule to start the season. If they come out, and even though they've got these players missing Middleton, Connerton, these guys, but they're still... You know, eight and four, nine and three, then I'll say, okay, they're, they're probably still good enough because you have Giannis, because you have Drew Holiday, and still a bunch of veterans. Maybe they'll be able to rack up these regular season wins because historically, if you get to the 50 win benchmark, that means you're a really, really good team. Now, we've taken it for granted the last few years with the Bucs, even when they've had their ups and downs through the regular season. They haven't had to be a juggernaut, but they've still got to that 50 win plateau. So I think that they can get uh, to 53, but The first couple of weeks is going to be interesting if they are around 500 uh, with that mark there. When the schedule gets a bit more difficult and they do head on the road, and I just had a look because I was about to say this would be year five of 50 wins in a row. I I believe they won 50 wins in a row seven times in the 80s. Obviously, they had those really, really good teams there. Uh, But they only won 46 games because of the stinking pandemic that shortened the season. So they were ripped off a 50-win season, even though... They were. They hard. would have. They would have they won. Would have. Yeah, yeah. But for historical purposes, that's a real shame. Uh, particularly for a stats man like yourself, Frank. That's good <laughs> that's going to bring some serious headaches. I'll, 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 I'll settle for an NBA championship that year. It's okay. Uh, how many teams won the NBA championship with only forty six wins? That's an impressive <laughs> trivia stat, actually. Probably the. Uh, I don't even think the Spurs would have in that year because there was only sixty six games. But yeah, that's a that's interesting. That's a good well, point.
1: Well the the uh ninety nine Spurs in the lo- that lockout shortened season, I think they won still won close to uh to fifty games. They were they were a juggernaut. So again, like yeah. they would have projected for way above that. Yeah. Um the uh the ninety-four-95 Rockets won only forty seven games, forty seven and thirty-five. Okay. Um so so that That's that impressive. team that team was right, you know, was definitely not um, altogether uh, impressive, and they had a big drop off the previous year. They won fifty eight games when they beat the Knicks in the final. So, yeah, that's probably the um, certainly in, in my you know when I think about teams, I, I'm not I do not claim to to have uh, I don't I don't know encyclopedic I have no encyclopedic knowledge of like, the fewest wins uh, to win an NBA championship, but I I would have uh, certainly that was the first team that came to mind and forty seven
0: wins. Yeah, that feels like a pretty modest total for for an NBA champion. Well, speaking of those Spurs, I would say the Knicks would have been up there if they were able to uh, do something that year at the eighth seed, I believe they were. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we move on, quickly, uh, let's talk about Bet Online, uh, but not too quickly because we were just referencing it, the 53 wins. Uh, if you uh, have taken both sides of our debate into account and you want to go to BetOnline.net and make a decision for yourself, you can do that, BetOnline.net. Uh, is the number one source for all uh, betting needs uh, to start the new basketball season. You can find the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. Uh, and as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. NFL stuff there as well. Uh, baseball nearly wrapping up, but still time to check it out. MMA, boxing, golf. Just head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the games start. All right, I, I I threw in an interesting one for you, Dan, and this is a this is a little follow up from the total uh, wins. So, what about division titles over or under zero point five?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, at least there may be some competition this year. I Cavs, think certainly Bulls. Cleveland. Yeah, I think yeah. Cleveland is one of those teams that I, I think, you know, especially if the the Bucks have some. Uh, injury challenges, uh, the idea of of the Cavs sneaking ahead of them for uh, for the division title and, and a higher seed in the playoffs, I buy that there may be you know, ten to fifteen percent of scenarios where that could happen. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know if that that I bank on it. I think uh, the Cavs are probably one of those teams you'd look at, and you know, it's it, it frequently happens, right? The teams that seem to kind of get ahead of schedule and and take a leap from where they were when they're kind of a young group again they then enter the next season inevitably with uh a lot of um pressure and expectation um and a lot of times then they find out the hard way that kind of you know progression in the nba just isn't linear and so i think certainly the Cavs will be interesting to watch for that reason and also just you know throwing donovan mitchell into the mix there without having to give up you know like really core guys of that team last year. I mean, again, it's not like they added him for for absolutely nothing, but kind of in the grand scheme of things, they kind of just added him for almost nothing. So um, they lost tonight. So we'll be interested. They lose tonight. The Jazz beat the Nuggets by freaking 20 points or something like that. So yeah, kind of a funny little, that'll be a fun little subplot to to monitor. But um, I, I certainly would say I will continue to favor the Bucks to win the central division but certainly will be harder um uh, although chicago i mean cleveland on the rise chicago last year for you know good half 60 percent of the season wherever it was i mean they were leading the division uh and then the wheels kind of came off and unfortunately for the bulls uh even though they get a big win tonight in miami zach levine sitting out with knee injury management in the first game of the season after having a week off like man lonzo. that's
0: Not that yeah, good. History, yeah between
1: then. lonzo and and levine man just knees are uh, are public enemy number one i guess in chicago these days so so we'll see but but yeah certainly cleveland i think is is one of those teams to watch and again maybe it's maybe they underwhelm and, and they don't kind of manage to take that leap and it takes them you know another year to kind of figure things out um but it's also possible that you know this is the year that that kind of things hit mobley takes a huge leap and um mitchell and garland mash at least offensively and you know uh, they they kind of really put it together and maybe the bucks Again, kind of dilly dally through the regular season and uh, end up having to settle for a lower seed, but uh, I'll I'll still I'll still say yes. Uh, division title, hang hang another banner. They fly forever, Kane.
0: Yeah, I said fifty three wins. I don't think the Cavs will win that many, even though I, I agree. I think they're going to try harder than the Bucks. I would say on a on a night to night basis, but uh, they lost tonight, so they are on pace for zero and eighty two. So we'll see if they can recover from that. All right, let's get to the let's get to the. Uh, Over and under that's with us every year. Giannis points per game. This is not the first time that we've had this line. 29.9 points. So is he going to officially get to the 30 points per game mark? I know there was some rough rounding up and rounding down and there's some decimal points in there. But is he going to clearly break the 30 points per game barrier? Just some numbers uh, from last season. So this is basketball reference. Has him at 29.9 points per game. Uh, 55% from the floor, uh, 29% from three. And we know this, Frank, no matter if he has hot start, a slow start, some hot streaks in the middle of the season, he's going to end up at 29% from three. We understand that. But he did go up to 72% from the free throw line, which, uh, as we've discussed, if he gets up to 75 plus over the course of the season, when you're at 29.9, you don't need too many more points to cross the 30-point plateau. This is your... This is your stage. This is absolutely your stage. Is he getting it done this year? Well, I mean,
1: my my motto is always, you know, never bet against Giannis, right? So I I will. Th- there's well, I shouldn't say there's no over under. I want more than this one because I guess I should <laughs> want like the wins more, more than anything. But Do you I guess I don't care remember, about the so, box. If if Giannis
0: um, gets traded, are you going to become like a like a Utah fan or something?
1: No. I will definitely root for wherever Giannis goes. Um, sure and it, it is funny. I think there's probably a discussion to be had here. I was talking to a couple of friends recently about what it would mean to win a second championship. And, and I kind of remember, I don't know if we've had this discussion on the podcast, but a couple of, oh, actually, you know what? JJ, JJ Burch said it. And um, it, it was funny because I, he, JJ made the point that like, in a lot of ways, the main reason he wants to see the Bucks win another championship is because, like, he wants it for Giannis's legacy. And when he said that, I was like, "Yeah, that that is really like 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 my obsession with the idea of the Bucks winning a championship. It is it is very largely driven by this idea of what it would mean to Giannis's legacy. Because on some level, I mean, going from zero to one championships is always like the massive big thing, right? And everything thereafter. I mean again going from one to two championships also incredible right especially from a legacy standpoint what it would mean to a franchise to win two championships in short order i mean very few teams do that so it would mean a ton obviously for the city for the franchise etc but i think as a fan i mean you know nothing will top my experience watching them win the first championship like everything about it the personal journey i think we went on you know many of us as fans to go through that to get out to the mountaintop for the first time in our lifetimes, will never be topped. So again, it feels like almost like we're being greedy trying to think about a second time. But I, I really do think it is a lot for me about like wanting to see Giannis recognized for being, you know, if he wins two, I think then he is absolutely on track to be a top 10 all time player. And, you know, I hate to cap how high he can go, just given where he is and, and how young he still is. So, um, so yeah, I, I I will I will say over on twenty nine point um, nine, I think in, in practice, other than just you know emotionally wanting it to happen, um, it will be interesting to see what role the take foul rule has. Now, hmm. um, anybody on the floor can shoot the free throw if you get a transition take foul. So it, I don't know that Giannis is actually going to get many of the the free throws associated with that. I think the real benefit to Giannis is probably that teams are going to think twice about just grabbing him in the open floor. And it, it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure guys will realize they can't just be brazen about it and grab guys. And they'll probably like try to make more token attempts on the ball. So my, my big hope is that the referees like don't let sort of half assed like uh, reach ins uh, when a guy really has no chance to to stop a play. I hope that they, call those as transition, take fouls, and they don't just, you know, limit it to like the most token, like grab a guy, pull his Jersey type, type thing. So, um, so again, if, if, if hopefully that rule has its intended effect, it's not that you'll see a lot of those fouls called, it'll be more that that players will not want to get called for those. And so they'll just kind of let guys go. And so (laughs) if you let Giannis go in the open floor, that's probably, you know, can that be an extra point per game? um i uh I, my twitter twitter friend uh archon 14 ryan made the point that you know he was i think predicting something like 31 i think he said like 31.4 points per game or something um which would be of course amazing uh so so yeah hopefully that uh maybe a little bit more freedom in the open floor can uh can help you on us a bit and um and we'll see i mean again um uh, don't take any of the don't take any game that Giannis plays for granted, right? Let's say it right off the top here, going into the season, um, he's we'll never see another guy like him. I think you guys all know that. <laughs> That's why you listen to us talk about him. But uh, you know, we may think that the regular seasons don't matter as much, or you know, we're just simming to end to try to get to the playoffs and and the games that that really matter. But as a fan, I, I just think you know being able to watch him night to night is such a privilege and that's to me the you know I, I made the point last year like it's it's great that we can now go into these regular seasons and just enjoy his dominance and not have to worry about people saying like well, what he hasn't done in the playoffs because he has done it in the playoffs now so uh, so yeah that's the big thing for me just you know enjoying the box but so much of that obviously starts with enjoying what Giannis can do and um i'm just excited hopefully knock on wood he just you know obviously stays healthy and can continue to do the incredible things that he does and and yes, let's let's hopefully bank on a 30-point-per-game season for the first time.
0: Yeah, I think, I'll t- I mean, you said it from the, from the start. You uh, you never doubt Giannis. I asked the question last week in the pub, what part of his game is going to get better because there's always something. And the more that he's added to his repertoire, it's harder to predict what the next thing is going to be. Uh, realistically, maybe it's been easier, a little bit easier in the past as he's continued... He's a cent, but one award that he doesn't have is he continues to collect every single award that's possible to him is a scoring title. Of, and Rookie I know, the if, no, uh, I think, I think that one, you think
1: that one, you think that one sailed away? I, okay,
0: I don't know if he can get that. And, uh, and, uh, like many people, I blame uh, Coach Drew for that, but uh, no, no, <laughs> there's not much you could do with that team. I do not blame uh, the coach for that one and uh, you know, removed in. Uh, not great circumstances, but that's another story. So uh, scoring title, though, doesn't have. Uh, and I know we always see people say that because Giannis comes out and he has the quotes and I don't know about the MVP. I don't know about the score. Okay, it's all rubbish. He, he knows all of it. He's a very, very smart man. And I think he would love a scoring title. And it doesn't mean that he's not interested in winning the championship. But I just, he knows he knows what all these awards are and I think that he wants to win them and he should because he's the best basketball player in the world. So I think scoring title is on the way uh, for Giannis. So I'll take the over with that one. Uh, I have to mention uh, game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, locked on game-to-game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked On NBA available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, YouTube, Uh, and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, Let's keep rolling. Now, these ones get a little bit interesting. So, uh, Bucks defensive rating over or under 10.5. So, essentially, are they going to be a top 10 defense or not? (sighs) Well, I
1: I think, honestly, I think this is where, you know, Kane, you should pick the over on this, because if you're picking the, uh, or sorry, an over being better than, than 10th, if you're picking them to be over on wins, then you probably should be the optimist on this one. Because to me, this is probably a key inflection point of how they go from being like, you know, eh, like good, but but sort of underwhelming in the regular season to getting closer to to what we think they they can do to kind of meet their potential. Um, so but I, even though I was a little bit of the pessimist on on the over under, I'll say I'll say they'll finish better. I think they'll finish top 10 um again Brooks back you know Brooks not going to be dominant forever 34 years old I have some anxiety that we may see him begin to age but he's also a very cerebral guy and you know he's still seven seven feet tall and you know a million miles uh from from fingertip to fingertip right like he's He's enormous and and he's still the same guy mentally that that he was and I thought he moved well at the end of last year so hopefully Brooke can still give you good minutes um, can be that anchor that that you missed for most of last season uh, and then a lot of it obviously comes down to just kind of luck you know opponent three point shooting luck maybe that'll be less of a factor if they don't give up quite as many three point shots but um, I have a hard time seeing them like you know suddenly become a team that that uh, really denies the three point shot so um so i'll I'll say they finish a little better than that but i definitely have some anxiety that that is where the indifference factor really shows you know i think they've been an awesome offense the last couple years because i think again they just come into a lot of these games feeling like they can outscore teams um and so kind of we'll see how that goes but uh i'll i'll take a slight again over slash better than than 10th uh and to me that that should be a goal of the season. And, and look, there's no reason this team shouldn't be a top 10 defense, right? I mean, you've got starting the lineup with drew Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Um, you know, yes, they've got some guys that are not great defenders, but uh, for the most part, you know, you got Wes, um, you know, Chris, very solid defender, good size. Javon Carter's solid, you know, works really hard. I, I just look at this team. We'll see what Serge has left in the tank. I, I just look at this team as like, look, if they play well within the system, then they should be a pretty damn good defense. Again, are they going to be the top in the league? Maybe not. But um, but let's cross our fingers that, that they come closer to reaching their potential, which I think certainly is a top 10 team.
0: Yeah, considering I've said that I'm coming into this season with a fair amount of uncertainty with how they're going to look, and particularly to start the season, uh, throughout this podcast, I've been the ultimate optimist, but I think that it will be top 10 as well. We looked at the series against Boston and I know they gave up a lot of threes, but the defensive rating was 97 or something absurd like that. And we've seen with the individual talent they have that when they really ramp it up, uh, they are an elite defense. So what they've done in the regular season in the last couple of years in particular hasn't exactly been indicative of their defensive talents. And I do think that adding Brook Lopez helps and I've referenced the the high percentage, the 74% that opposition teams shot uh, within five feet in the preseason. But they also, they did limit the three-point attempts. And I have got some optimism that that 74% is going to come down when you have Giannis playing and you have Brook Lopez playing and essentially you're playing your better players. So I think they can be a top 10 defense. And it's a pretty good point you make. If they are going to top 53 wins, they might not want to be Uh, in the bottom half for defense or around the the middle of the pack like they were last year. What about Marjon Beauchamp? This is a guy that everyone is interested in. You set the line here. So uh, I'm curious. So I'll just say my thoughts first. So Marjon Beauchamp minutes 599.5. I think it'll be under. So I, I had a look at a couple of players last year. So Thanasis, who for some reason in my mind, uh, seemed to, I thought he played more than what he actually did, but he was around the 480 minute mark. Uh, Mamu even came in at around 440. It felt like he played you know, a little bit. So basically what it would mean to get to 600 minutes, let's say that he played 40 games. So essentially half of the season, he would have to play 15 minutes per game in those 40 games. So that's That's decent. Like, that's a decent amount of play. And my concern is to start the season, what we heard from Bud last week, even with all these injuries, Bud said, yeah, we might have to play one of Jordan Wara and Marjon Beauchamp. And he only really committed to one. And so uh, I think that he's going to go with Jordan Wara first, which I think leaves Beauchamp on the outside. And then when you get bodies back, I'm not sure how he, he breaks in to be playing the amount of minutes he would need to to top 600.
1: It's interesting looking back on rookie minutes during the, you know, sort of in the last six, seven years of, of the bucks. Uh, Obviously there haven't been that many first round picks. Uh, So he's the first, first round pick since Dante Dante played a shade over 400 minutes, but he only played 27 games. So, you know, obviously Dante would have played probably, you know, a thousand minutes if, if he had been pretty healthy. Uh, But other than that, you kind of go through the list. Um, You know, I was looking at it before. Uh, you mentioned Mamu's in the 400s. Um, Thawne Maker, interestingly, only I think he played under 500 minutes his rookie year, which is kind of crazy. Could have felt Playoff like. Starter. Know, he, yeah, I mean, right. He was a prominent guy by the time the playoffs rolled around, but he obviously played very little in the first half of the season and really just did not play that many minutes overall. And then you look at other guys. I mean, Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, those guys were under 300 minutes. DJ Wilson. Do you do you recall how many minutes DJ Wilson
0: played in his rookie year under Jason Kidd? Jason Kidd, huh? Jeez, he was that was a while ago. I tell you what, the years fly, Frank. The years fly. No, I I got no damn idea. I was thinking, I must have been thinking year two, which was the first year at Bard when Ursan went was injured and he played a bit. Yeah, no, no idea. Seventy-one minutes total his his rookie <laughs> year. Um,
1: which just is just like, man, you know what did you, yeah. what did you do to Jason Kidd? Um, I guess. You also don't really need to do anything to Jason Kidd to not play much, right? It's a weird guy. Um, But yeah, I think the bottom line is, you know, Brogdon's really the one, the one. uh, Brogdon and Rashad Vaughn. I I know we've talked about this. Rashad Vaughn playing 1,000 minutes as rookie year remains one of the more just bizarre things. And again, it's because injuries, blah, blah, blah. You know, again, that team was obviously not a world beater. Uh, But Vaughn, Rashad Vaughn playing 1,000 minutes as a rookie just (laughs) remains so bizarre. And then Brogdon career high still almost 2000 minutes. He played as a rookie uh, has not matched that since then with, with all the injuries, but, but yeah, for the most part, you know, guys don't play nearly as many minutes. And I would agree. I mean, probably that line, I just set a little bit too high. Uh, but, but who knows, right? I mean, again, you, you'd hate, you'd hate to have a situation where Marjon has to play 600 minutes because Chris Middleton gets hurt again and
0: you want him to just, earn it
1: or just stays out. Yeah. I mean, obviously you want, you want these vets to be healthy and, you don't want to put that kind of pressure on, on a rookie. The flip side is if, you know, if he played 600 minutes cause he just figured stuff out and just played well, like, Hey, that one, everybody would love that. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's probably hard because early season is going to be his big chance. And, you know, as soon as they signed Jordan war, I think that obviously really cut into to his potential minutes. And speaking of minutes, I mean, again, like 1200 minutes from Jordan war last year, just also just seems kind of, kind of crazy like it's just surprising that he played that many minutes last year um again i, I know he was playing most nights but it didn't feel like he played that many minutes so um uh, outside of so yeah. the start
0: of the season I yeah. would agree. Uh, it's a fantastic segue though it's just this is i mean you can tell me and you have podcasted about 700 times <laughs> uh over or under 0.5 jordan war is on the roster by playoff time and this is one that we love we've had some uh previous Examples of this over and under, it's one that we love to go back to. Uh, If we assume that he's going to play to start the season at least, maybe the answer to this question comes down to what we see on the floor in the next, uh, say, month.
1: Or the flip side is, if he shows something the next month, then does that just make him a more useful ah, trade asset? And intriguing,
0: yes. You
1: know, does it does it really make him less likely to get traded if he plays pretty hmm. well? You can kind of probably argue it both ways, but um, and and the other piece too is like Bochamp. I mean, if they even if Bochamp's not playing a lot, if they kind of like the way he's trending and progressing, they may say, you know, we don't need to keep Jordan just because he's young. Like we've got this other young guy that we want to kind of be grooming for, for those small forward minutes. So, um, Hmm. yeah, I mean, I would take the under on 0.5 Jordan war as being on the roster post (laughs) all-star post trade deadline. Um, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, if the bucks are going to make a trade, they haven't always made trades. Right. But I mean, it feels like pretty much every deadline, they make some move last year. DiVincenzo, uh, just feels like Jordan Wara is an obvious guy with that, Not tiny salary, but not too big salary. uh, You know, potentially pair him with, you know, a George Hill, or again, if it's a bigger trade, potentially Grayson Allen. I don't know. Um, But if you traded, you know, if Javon Carter steps into a bigger role, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, and makes George Hill more expendable. uh, And shout out to George Hill. I thought he actually looked pretty solid in the preseason. Like he didn't look like a guy whose body was broken down as it was coming off the, the the neck and and back/ slash stomach hernia whatever he had injuries um so we'll kind of see how that shakes out but uh, but yeah I mean if it's a wara and and hill trade for you know a guy making seven eight million bucks a year or something like that like you know I could certainly see scenarios like that um the the random one I, that I always continue to think about is Josh Richardson from the Spurs because it's like what are the jo- what do the Spurs need with? a 29 year old Josh Richardson, right? Like they're not going anywhere. Um, and again, he's not, you know, anything close to the asset he was a few years ago in Miami. Um, and obviously he's had some, some bobbles, to say the least in, in Philly, Dallas, um, and then Boston. But again, maybe there's a reclamation project there. And And also just, I like the idea of having like a kind of combo guard with good size that, you just feel like can do more stuff than George Hill and, and can still handle the ball a little bit. So anyway, that's my like pet little random move on the margins, uh, which isn't terribly exciting. Um, yeah. But anyway, yes. So um, Jordan Wara. I love that gif of Jordan Mora uh, where he's kind of making faces, like he's surprised <laughs> that you're ignoring him. Um, so again, Jordan would probably be, that's probably a good reaction GIF to, uh, this discussion about how we're talking about Jordan Wara. But uh, again, rooting for the guy. Hopefully he plays well and makes the Bucs actually want to keep him. But um, by the same token, it's like, you know, again, call me the skeptic skeptic or the realist. I don't know, but uh, we'll probably find out pretty early in the season where he's at and whether he's got much of a
0: future in Milwaukee. John Horst makes trades and that is a very busy position on the roster, particularly if they think, even if they're not getting minutes, even if they think that Marjon Beauchamp has a future here uh, in the franchise, and they want to uh, they want to keep him on the roster, it's what's the long term future for Jordan War? We've discussed it a lot uh, over the last couple of months. All right, the last major one we're going to get to here, and this is uh, this has been a bubbling topic among Bucks fans uh, on Twitter, on any type of social media. The online community has just been raging over this one so javon carter he's a minutes total for the 2022-23 season will it come in over or under george hill um
1: great question you came Thank up you. with this one Thank this you is so a fun on. one because yes. it's not just a number but it's a comparison uh i know what bucks fans want it to be mm. <laughs> um and I guess this fundamentally comes down to the question of, is this the year that that Bud finally acknowledges that, you know, Javon Carter may be a more useful player than than George Hill. And um, I think, and Bud said as much, I think early in the season here, I think the lack of the wing depth is going to be probably helpful for both guys because uh, he's not going to have to choose between those two players Um you know, I think we all have visions of George Hill being thrown into this bad position of having to guard like, you know, Jason Tatum at the elbow in the playoffs, which right. again is just like not fair to George Hill, given the lack of size he has compared to a guy like Jason Tatum. But, um, but I think we're going to see both those guys a fair bit earlier in the season. And, you know, I think just, um, I think this maybe is the time for, for Bud to finally give Javon a bit more of that leash. And, you know, especially given just what we we're discussing about George being a potential candidate to be moved. He has a little bit bigger salary than, than Javon does. So you can kind of do a little bit more with that salary and it's expiring. So, um, Hey, look, I, 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 I'm probably on the you know further end of the spectrum of, you know, being less hard on George Hill and, and being more hopeful that, that he can kind of bounce back a bit, but you know, I think you have to be realistic as well. I'd, I'd love for him to, stick around and be part of a championship team and get that kind of degree of redemption having been here before and having had the, the, the probably health problems and challenges yet last year in the playoffs. But, um, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give the people what they want, which I think is a, a vote in confidence to John Carter. And certainly the intimation from bud that, that he may start Javon to start this year with drew in the backcourt, that, that would certainly be an endorsement in, in favor of, of that
0: over under as well. I joked about this with Justin the other night because I was taking the little breadcrumbs from Bud and I was putting it all together, and I was thinking that yes, we're going to see more Javon Carter, uh, you know, early in the season. And even if you look at the preseason numbers, I think it was Wara and Javon Carter who were pretty clearly at the top of the the minutes played. Now they played all these games, but you know, I, it just seems that and the Bucs wanted to bring him back and. There is a love between George Hill and Mark Budenholzer. There's no doubt about that. But I do think that there will be a somewhat conservative approach with George Hill, similar to what even what they did with Wes Matthews uh, last year. And I think Wes had obviously a bit more to give. George Hill was dealing with some stuff. Uh, So I think it's going to be Javon Carter as well. Also, because I think that uh, he has shown, we know what he can do defensively. There might be limitations in terms of multiple positions, but I think scoring-wise as well, you reference it all the time, and George not necessarily looking for his own shot too often, and I think the Bucks need it. So I think over the course of the season, uh, what Javon Carter can bring to the table might be uh, a little more valuable. I don't know whether Javon Carter comes into the calculations with this last over and under we got, but over or under <laughs> – what is... are you laughing for, Frank? This is a very serious question. Over or under 0.5 All-Stars? On the box so 1.5 <laughs> yes 1.5 sorry that would have been a, that was 0. 0.5 uh i think we'll be all hitting the over pretty hard there 1.5 so you know chris starting the season slow Does drew holiday get the long-awaited added all-star nod what do we think
1: i will go under um you know if if we if we thought the bucks were going to be trying to win the east and making that a huge priority then you know it, it's harder to deny the team that that's in first place you know the multiple all-stars yes. um I, I was pleasantly surprised that chris made it last year i thought drew had a better case than chris last year so it was a little bit of mixed emotions in that sense i'd, I'd love for drew to get uh, a chance to, to go back to the all-star game um for the first time in whatever it is like almost was he like 2013? I think uh, an All Star. So, you know, 10 years between All Star appearances would be would be pretty pretty interesting. Um, so, you know, yeah, of course, I'm I'm hoping the Bucks are awesome in the regular season, and you know, Chris and Drew both look great, and you know, they they force the voters to or force the coaches to uh, acknowledge them and and bring three Bucks to the All Star game. But I, I would guess that's that's probably unlikely, and you know, part of it's just the numbers game as well. You know, when you look at the East now, Kyrie, obviously historically has been, you know, a shoe in for, for all-star spots, you know, he's actually starting the season playing basketball games rather than sitting at home, um, you know, saying Kyrie stuff. So Kyrie being back and Donovan Mitchell now being in the East, um, I, again, not to say that Cleveland's going to have like three or four all-stars or something like that. Cause I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it will be interesting to see kind of how the the Mitchell-Garland dynamic works out. And, you know, does does Mitchell make the All-Star team at the expense of Darius Garland? Does Mitchell maybe not make the All-Star team? Do they both? It will be interesting to see um, kind of how all that shakes out. But, you know, those were certainly at least a couple of the guys that um, kind of, again, thinking about the, the sort of the numbers game component of of All-Star. Um I I'm, I'm just sort of curious how, how some of those shake out. So, so yeah, I'll say one all-star this year. And again, fingers crossed, you know, that assumes Giannis is healthy and all that, but, um, but that, that is my guess. And I don't know, you, you've been a little more optimistic than me tonight. So, uh, are you, are you going over, can you, can you make that case, or are you also going to play a little bit more of the realist slash pessimist?
0: This is where the optimism ends. This podcast is finishing on a bad note. Uh, yeah, I would say that there'll be one and the interesting thing for me, and and I think the position stuff, as you pointed to, did hurt him. It was a little bit easier, perhaps, for Middleton to slot into, uh, you know, an all-star team last year, even though, yeah, there were many Bucs fans that were almost turning on Chris saying that he shouldn't have been the all-star and Drew should have been there, even though it was fun to obviously see them both there. Uh, but, you know, I think all-star weekend's in Utah, so it's probably gonna be cold anyway, so go get some sun, fellas, and, uh... (laughs) get some sun and and enjoy the weekend and the few days off and get yourself ready for the postseason. So I think there'll be one all-star. But for all the talk of respect from the players and coaches for Drew Holiday, maybe they should pull their finger out and actually give him the all-star berth that he has deserved over the last number of years and his career. It'd be fun to see Drew get there. Uh, and he's spoken before that Yeah, he doesn't play for the individual stuff, but it's nice to be recognized when he does get recognized for his defense and stuff. So I think it would be something... Uh, that he would really appreciate as well. So it'd be cool to see Drew there. Um, But yeah, the the East is looking like it's got a few more marquee names in the mix there. So my bet would be one. And my bet is that you should also listen to Locked On NBA. It's a pretty good podcast. There's games uh, filling the schedule, 12 games today as we're recording this and uh, plenty of days like that. So it's the easiest way to catch up on all the NBA action from across the night before on the Locked On nba podcast that's another over and under podcast in the books frank and uh do, do we there's nothing else that you you desperately want to get out there you think you're happy with this No, no silliness from me for the most part
1: kane i uh we had an offer accepted on a new house over the weekend i've been dealing with home hey. inspections and trying to sell our house and a whole that's bunch wonderful. of stuff going on at work so I, I went to bed at like two in the morning yesterday it's eleven thirty now uh you know, Frank. Frank's got to go get some shut eye. I gotta, I gotta get get up and you know, at seven a.m. to deal with a a four year old and get her ready to, for school. So, um, so yes, I don't have any more Bucs takes. I just have complaints about being tired and and overworked and stressed. But as always, talking about the Milwaukee Bucks always gives me that that escape cane. So I've enjoyed de-stressing and thinking about the the more fun things in life. Which you yeah, know, what what's more fun than than NBA basketball and watching Giannis and, and thinking about the Bucks. So anyway, that's been my misca- my escape now back to reality for me, but uh, hopefully everyone is having a less busy week <laughs> pro tip. Uh, don't try to buy a house in the year 2022, but uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do, I guess.
0: All right. Let us know what your thoughts are on all these over and unders through there. I might chuck uh, the list of them in the YouTube comments as well. So everyone Uh, knows what we're talking about, but you should know anyway because you'd be listening to the podcast and taking notes. But anyway, send your congratulations to the Frank for the house at F Madden NBA on Twitter. He he wants to hear from you and he wants to be congratulated for his last few days. So make sure you go and do that and uh, check us out. I don't know when you'll be listening to this podcast. This one's got a bit of a longer lifespan, but make sure you check us out post-game. And Monday uh, to Friday,
1: but and some people may have seen if you follow me. I'm watching my Twitter account today. The only thing I think I tweeted was uh, I was at <laughs> I was at the new house for an inspection, and uh, I saw a, oh, a no. wounded deer uh, sad, limping limping through the front yard. So I took some video of it. So I don't know. Again, just more set sack stuff from me. I guess I need to be be more optimistic. C- Kane Pittman would never tweet a video of a of an injured buck. Uh, running through his yard. We don't need that type of negative energy going into the regular season. So I apologize. But, you know, the deer looked like he was gonna make it. Uh hopefully by the playoffs that deer will be running strong and uh I don't know, doing whatever it is that, that deer do. So um so us go skip ahead. let's get into Bucks optimism mode. We got the best player in the world. We get to watch Giannis every night. Um and so let's let's see what happens in Philly. We'll we'll talk about it.
0: No, I would have run out the front door, chucked that wounded buck over my shoulders and sprinted to the nearest hospital. That's what I would have done. All right. We'll catch you guys next time.